This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, quiet, please. A murder has been committed. Here's your chance to play detective. Philco Mysteries on the air. The new, exciting, thrilling, chilling radio contest that pays you huge cash prizes for having fun. Every week at this same time over this station, your Philco radio tube dealer brings you transcribed the Philco Mystery Contest. $50,000 in cash for the winners. $50,000 in cash for solving simple mysteries. Weekly prizes, big grand prizes. A real contest of skill. Anybody can enter, nothing to buy, and you may win. All you need is the free Philco mystery book your Philco tube dealer will give you. Tells you all the amazing details. Shows you how easily you can win. Lists all the prizes. Contains free entry blanks. You cannot win without this book. Get your free copy right away. Already? Got your thinking caps on? Then here goes Philco mystery number one. Listen carefully. Keep your wits about you. Better have pencil and paper handy. Jot things down in your Philco mystery book, of course, if you already have it. And if you haven't, be sure you get it as soon as possible. Phyllis Cole, her friends call her Phil Cole, the beautiful girl detective, daughter of the late Philip Cole, world-famous criminologist, is going to solve a mystery right before your ears. And then you are going to show how she solved it. Come on, let's play detective. Your first case is the case of the dead magician. there on the stage of the Regal Variety Theater, the great Umberto is just completing his clever manipulation of a pack of cards. The trick the magician is doing now is all the more amazing because Umberto is wearing a pair of gloves. Ah, there it is. Using only one hand, with a lightning-quick gesture, he has fanned the whole pack out like a peacock's tail. It's a beautiful trick, and the audience appreciates Umberto's skill as well they should. He takes a bow, and now he's taking off the gloves. He walks over to the wings, and with studied carelessness, he tosses the gloves to someone waiting off stage. And now he's back in the center of the stage to make an announcement. The great Umberto. Thank you, my friends. Thank you. And now comes my most remarkable achievement. The illusion which has made me famous in 37 countries of the world. It gives me particular pride to perform my illusion this evening, because seated here before me in the front row is Miss Phyllis Cole the daughter of that world-famous criminologist, the late Philip Cole. And seated beside this charming lady is the well-known mystery novelist, Mr. Thomas Taylor. <laughs> and now, for my amazing illusion, a human being, a man or a woman from this audience, will seat himself upon this chair here on the stage. I will stand in front of this person with my back to the audience. And have the lights put out for the merest instant. When the lights are again put on, the person will have disappeared. Now, who will be so kind as to come up here to the stage to assist me? Please, please, uh, someone, anyone. There is no danger. Me? Ah, this young lady here. Uh, Will I do, mister? Perfectly, my dear. Come up these little steps, please. Allow me. Thanks. Now, you will kindly be seated upon this chair. All right. Uh, now, what do I do? You do nothing. It is I who will do. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, the young lady is seated. And now I stand in front of the young lady with my back 
to the audience. So, are you ready, my dear? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Now, I will count three slowly. On the count of three, please flash all the lights off. And then on again instantly. And now, I begin to count. One, two, three. Will everyone please remain seated? Oh, Bamso is dead. Quiet, please. Quiet, everybody, quiet. We don't know whether he's been murdered or not, madam, but he has been shot. Now, can all of you ushers and stagehands hear me? Uh, My name is Phyllis Cole. I'm a criminologist, an amateur, but still I've had experience with these cases. I want you ushers and stagehands to guard all the exits. Don't let anyone leave the theater. One of you, please go out and get the police. Okay, I will. Now, is there a doctor in the audience? Yes, Miss Cole, I'm a doctor. Oh, please come up here and examine this man. Of course, immediately. Phil, Phil. What, Tom? You sure you want to get mixed up in this? Of course I do. It's my duty. Well, I might get another novel out of this, but don't do anything rash. Well, don't worry. Uh, Well, Doctor, what about it? This man is dead. The bullet entered his chest on the right side. Who could have done it, Miss Cole? Entered the front of the body on the right side. Well, that girl could have done it. She was rather close to the magician, you'll remember. The girl? Of course it must have been the girl. But where is she? She must have run away. Uh, You over there! Are you one of the stagehands? Uh, yes, ma'am. I'm Eddie Daniels, the property man. All right, Eddie. Stand by, will you please? Sure. I may want to ask you a few questions. Yes, ma'am. Tom. Yes, Phil. Uh, right after the shot, I heard a gun thrown on the stage. Will you look for it, please? Sure. It's probably under that black curtain at the back of the stage. Yep, you're right. It is here. Shall I pick it up? Yes, but do it with a handkerchief and examine the gun for fingerprints. Right, all. Uh, doctor, have you found anything of interest? Not much, Miss Cole. As I told you, the bullet entered the right side of his chest. Yes. And there are no powder marks or burns on the dress shirt or coat. Thank you very much, Doctor. Oh, this is simply awful. Oh, please, please, you'll have to be quiet, Miss. I'm not a miss, I'm a widow. I'm Mrs. R.J. Brown. Well, Mrs. Brown, I must ask you to be quiet. How can I be quiet? Phil, look out! Oh! Oh, Boy, that was close. You're telling me. I'll say it was close, Miss Cole. That sandbag fell all the way down from the fly loft over the stage. Where are the ropes that control these sandbags? They're backstage. Come on back and I'll show you. All right. Lead the way, please. I'm tagging along, Phil. All right, Tom. Now, Miss Cole, here. Here are the ropes. I see. And here's the one that dropped the sandbag after it was loosened. Whoever did it must be backstage here somewhere. Who's back here? You may as well come out and show yourself. All right. Line up the three of you. Look out, Tommy. Have a gun. I'll drill the first one of you that moves. Get me? Uh, Cut it out, Sam. Shut up, Eddie. This is my business. Eddie, do you know this man? Why, sure. It's Sam Bolivar. He plays a trombone in the orchestra. Okay, Sam, hand over that gun. Oh, you don't. Get away, Eddie. Eddie! Now, don't worry, Miss Cole. That gun's loaded with blanks for one of the dramatic sketches on this week's bill. Uh, Sam must have swiped it out of my property room here. One move out of you, Sam, and I'll slug you. Let's all go into your property room, Eddie. Yeah, sure, Miss Cole. All right, Sam, you first. Okay, I'm going. You come in too, Eddie. Yeah, sure. And you, Tom. And how? Now, Sam, why did you drop that sandbag? Well, I wanted to scare you out of the theater. Why? Did you shoot on Berto? What if I did? Did you or didn't you? Yeah, I shot him, the dirty skunk. He deserved worse than that. Shooting was too good for him. Never mind that. Where were you standing when you shot him? Right behind him, down in the orchestra pit. I see. And then you threw the gun up on the stage? Yeah. Then I ducked out under the stage, through the door in the orchestra pit. Tom, are there many fingerprints on the murder gun? As a matter of fact, darling, there don't seem to be any. The murderer probably wore gloves. Thanks. Now, Eddie, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Sure. 
You were backstage when the shooting occurred, so you might be able to help us clear up a few points. Okay, Miss Cole. What's the use of wasting any more time? I told you I shot the guy, didn't I? Yes, but I still want to talk to Eddie. Now, Eddie, you said you're the property man, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Just what are your duties? Well, it's my job to take care of the props. You know, anything that an actor handles on stage is called a prop. It may be a pack of cigarettes, a cane, a bunch of flowers, or anything. For instance, those gloves that Umberto threw to me. I see. Where were you when Umberto was shot? I was in the wings. I was waiting to take that chair off after his act. You were there when the light went out? Yes, ma'am. I heard Umberto count three, and then the shot was fired. I see. All right, Eddie, thank you. Let me go! I didn't do it! I tell you, I didn't do it! Let me go! That's what you say. Hey, Captain, bring that girl in here, will you? Okay. Come on, you. I didn't do it! Let me go! I didn't do it! I found this girl running down 13th Street with a stage dorm and chasing her. So I nabbed her and brought her back in. Thanks, officer. Go out on the stage, will you? You might be able to help. Okay. Sam, what are you doing here? Well, Glenda, I shot him, Berto. They caught me. Oh, no, Sam, you didn't do it. You didn't. Now, wait a minute, Glenda. How do you know Sam? Well, well, he's my boyfriend. We're going to be married. But he didn't do it. I did it. I shot him, Berto. Glenda. Glenda, what are you saying? Oh, mother. Mrs. Brown. I heard what she just said. But she didn't do it, I tell you. I did shoot him, Mom. I did, I did. They're both crazy, Miss Cole. I told you I did it. Ain't that enough? Well, this is the craziest murder I ever heard of. Everybody wants to go to jail. Quiet, Tom. Yes, dear. Now, Mrs. Brown, I I tell you, my daughter didn't do it. I shot Umberto. Why? Because because three years ago, I had another daughter. Glenda's younger sister. She met Umberto and fell in love with him. And one night, they ran away together and got married. Then I began to get letters from my baby. Heartbreaking letters. She said that her husband mistreated her. Beat it terribly. Several months later, they they sent her back to me. They'd taken poison. I swore then that I'd get the man who killed my baby, and now I've had my revenge. That man's dead, and I killed him. I was sitting in the front row, and when the lights went out, I shot him and threw the gun up on the stage. I was sitting in the audience, too, Mrs. Brown. But I didn't see any flash when the shot was fired. Of course you didn't. I tell you, I shot him because of what he did to my sister. I held the gun right against his chest, and, and I fired it. Is it not, Glenda? Sam, I tell you, I did. You women are both lying to save each other. And, Sam, you're lying to save Glenda. Oh, why don't you children stop it? I shot that beast, and I'm ready to take the consequences. Mrs. Brown, there are no fingerprints on the gun. Well, but I wrapped the handkerchief around the gun, yes. Yes, that's what I did. You see, Miss Cole, you can see that my mother's wrote lying. I did it, I tell you. I did it. Now, wait. Be quiet, all of you. Tom. Yes, Phil. Since you're holding the murder gun in your hand, I suggest you aim it at Eddie Daniels, the property man. It's loaded, you know. Of course. And if Eddie makes a move, you better pull the trigger. Hey, wait a minute. What's the idea? My friend, Eddie Daniels is the only one in this room who could possibly have killed Umberto. Are you going to tell us about it, Eddie? Yes, ma'am. I guess I might as well. Now that I look back on what I've said during the past ten minutes, I can see that I made enough mistakes to hang an army. Yeah, I stood in the wings and shot that rat Umberto and chucked the gun out toward those curtains on the stage. Umberto seemed to have a way with young girls, and like Mrs. Brown here, I once had a daughter, too. Well, come on. What are we waiting for? So, Eddie Daniels, the property man, murdered the great Umberto, and you have just heard Phil Cole, the famous girl detective, find the murderer. Of course, you know how Phil Cole found it out. You heard everything that happened. You know everything Phil knew. 
It ought to be very simple for you to point out why Phil Coe suspected Eddie. Can you? How good a detective are you? $50,000 in cash prizes are waiting for the best detectives among you listeners to this program. Over 2,000 weekly prizes and 51 huge grand prizes in the great Philco Mystery Contest. It's all fully explained with fascinating diagrams and full details in the Philco Mystery Book, which your Philco tube dealer will give you free. If you haven't yours already, get it just as soon as you can. Then you can enter this easy contest that pays big cash rewards. There never was a simpler, easier, more exciting contest. Nothing to buy. Anybody can enter. This is a real contest of skill. Conciseness, clearness, neatness, and good common sense are the only things that count. Enter the Philco Mystery Contest now. Go to your Philco Tube dealer and get the free mystery book with the official entry blanks. Read the rules and directions carefully. Follow them exactly. Study the diagram in the case of the dead magician. Then answer the simple question. Your answer may be the winner. Don't miss a single one of the Philco Mysteries. Listen every week at this time over this station. Better be sure you have Philco radio tubes in your set so that reception will be good and clear and you won't miss a single important detail of any mystery program. You want to win some of that $50,000 in cash, don't you? Then get started. Be a detective. It's fun. Next week, Phil Cole, the girl detective, brings you another swell mystery, the missing masterpiece. Listen in at this same time over this same station. Read all about it beforehand in the free Phil Cole mystery book. We hope you win. Mysteries on the air. Your chance to play detective. Win huge cash prizes in this newest, most exciting, most fascinating mystery contest. Every week at this same time, over this station, your Philco Radio Tube dealer brings you transcribed the great Philco Radio Mystery Contest. $50,000 in cash for the winners. $50,000 in cash for solving simple mysteries. Weekly prizes. Big grand prizes. Nothing to buy. Anybody can enter. You may win this contest of skill. The big free Philco mystery book tells you all about it. If you haven't already got yours from your Philco radio tube dealer, get your copy as soon as possible. Lists all the prizes. Shows you how easily you can win. Contains official entry blanks. You cannot enter this contest without this free book. So get your copy now. 
Here's Philco Radio Mystery Number Two. If you already have your Philco Mystery Book, be sure it's open to pages six and seven while you listen to the program. Listen carefully. Take notes. Follow the action on the diagram you'll find on page six. Philco, the beautiful girl detective, is going to solve a mystery. And maybe you will win a big cash prize for showing how she solved it. You're a detective. You're on a case. It's the missing masterpiece. It is nine o'clock in the morning, and the National Museum of Art has just opened its doors for the day. Old Dennis Maloney, one of the trusted guards, is coming on duty at his regular station, the Gallery of Valuable Dutch Paintings. Just as he is entering the Dutch room, Dennis is greeted by the director of the museum, Dr. Benson, who has been making his early round. Good morning, Dennis. Uh, good morning to you, Dr. Benson. You're looking healthy and happy as usual. Oh, as for me, health centers, only me two feet that bother me at all. Twenty-five years of walking around guarding oil paintings have flattened them out like two sheets of tin roof. Oh, that's uh, too bad. I'll see to it that you get more rest periods during the day. Uh, thank you, Dr. Yeah. Benson. You know, I always enjoy coming into this room. Those old Dutchmen certainly knew how to paint. Oh, indeed. And... Hello. What's this? Well, what do you mean? Why, look here, sir. This little table in front of the benches. Why, there's a crack in the glass top. Oh, somebody must have dropped something on it. Maybe so, but that glass wasn't cracked when I went off duty last night at five. Say, I'll bet it was that goofy artist, Mr. Young, that done it. Young? Was he here when you left last night? Yes, sir. He had a permit to paint in here until six o'clock. And when I left, he was sitting on this bench uh, making another copy of this little vermeer. He, uh, well, uh, uh, heaven help us. Well, what is it, Dennis? Well, look, uh, this vermeer, there's something different about it. Well, you're right. This is only a copy. Oh, the, the real one was here last night when I left. That vermeer cost the museum $200,000. Oh, it, it was that artist, Father Young. Remember, I said he was here last night? Yes, yes. And you say he was copying the vermeer? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He always does. He's made more than one copy, too, during the past year. Maybe this is one of them. Mm. Has any other artist made a copy lately? No, sir, no, sir. Not in the last five years. But shall I go into the hall and phone the police? No, no, wait, wait, Dennis. I'll do the phoning myself. We can't accuse Mr. Young hastily. We won't call the police, though, just yet. I'll get a friend who'll work quietly. Yes, sir. Here's the phone, sir. Oh, thanks. Uh, Dennis, have you ever heard of Phil Cole... Cole, Cole. Oh, wasn't there a detective Cole some years ago? That's the one. He was famous the world over for his work in crime detection. Phyllis is his daughter. Since his death, Phyllis has been carrying on her father's work. Hello? Is this Phyllis Cole? Hello, Phil. Uh, this is Dr. Benson at the museum. Someone has stolen our Vermeer. Yes, uh, the woman baking bread. Can you come now? Splendid. Goodbye. I've taken the liberty of bringing my friend Tom Taylor with me. You see, Tom writes mystery novels. The boy's pretty good, too. I'm afraid he uses me as a bloodhound to sniff out plots. Why, Phil, darling, I pursue you because you're a charming woman, as well as an efficient plothound. Oh, that's enough, Tom. <laughs> I'm here on business. Now, Dr. Benson, please tell me everything. Well, I entered this room an hour ago with Dennis Maloney here. He's been guarding our Dutch masterpieces for years. Indeed, and I have, Miss Cole. The first thing we noticed was a crack in the glass top of this small table. I see. Go on, please. What are you going to do with that magnifying glass, Phil? Well, I'm going to examine the crack in the glass top. Go right on, Dr. Benson. I'm listening. Well, then we discovered that our Vermeer was gone. And in its place, only a poor copy. Oh, Dr. Benson, 
I found something interesting in this cracked tabletop. Yes, Bill? Now, Dr. Benson, the veneer was a small canvas, and that's why you hung it fairly low, about seven feet, I'd say. That's right. The person who took it from the wall pulled this little table over and stood on it. That's what cracked the glass. I found some grains of sand wedged into the crack in the glass. Whoever stood on this table had been walking through sand not long before. That sounds like an excellent clue. Uh, Tell me this. Was anyone in this room after Dennis went off duty last evening? Yes. There was a rather shabby artist who frequently comes into copy opera here. His name is Nelson Young. The museum closes to the public at five, but Young had one of our special permits to stay till six. Do you suppose this copy is the one that he made? Well, I can't say. Uh, Dennis... Are you certain this artist, Mr. Young, was here after five last evening? Yes, ma'am, he was. I examined his his late permit, and when I went out, I left him sitting there on the stationary bench, painting away with his long, gangly legs doubled up under himself like a pretzel. Who checks up on the late permits when people leave the museum after the regular closing hour, Dr. Benson? The night watchman at the side door. Well, could an artist with a large portfolio easily walk right out with the picture? Yes. Well, who in addition to this chap Young had late permits yesterday? Well, there were two others. I picked their permits up at the office while I was waiting for you to arrive. Here, uh, their names are on them. Oh, thank you. Marsha Bedell. Oh, who's she, Dr. Benson? She's the daughter of old Amos Bedell, the retired uh, banker. She's about 19, only child. And as in most cases of that kind, her father's a bit too indulgent. Uh, uh, she's a spoiled young lady. And if I were a father, I'd turn her across my knee. And that shouldn't be difficult either, because she's a tiny little thing. This other permit is signed by Richard Duncan. What sort of a chap is he? Well, he's a very fine portrait painter. Has a mania for collecting, too. Now, I hesitate to say this, but I believe Duncan would mortgage his soul to gain possession of a fine painting. Hmm. Duncan sounds like an all-round good fellow. And he's just the kind of a chap most men instinctively dislike. <laughs> you mean he has a way with the ladies? Exactly. He's the lean, dark type. Always looks well in evening clothes. Tall, good-looking. Well, Dr. Benson, I think we'd better get those three over here immediately. Nelson Young, Marsha Bedell, and Richard Duncan. An interesting trio. I think we may find them very enlightening. Don't be so impatient, Mr. Duncan. We'll be finished here as soon as possible. But, Miss Coe, I tell you I left an important client to answer this insulting summons. And I had to give up an appointment with my hairdresser. Don't worry, Mr. Dell. Your hair looks lovely. Well, maybe it does, but I got it full of salt water yesterday at the beach, and it feels very uncomfortable. You know what sand and salt water do to a girl's hair? Oh, don't you remember? <laughs> yes, I think I do. Now, I'll be as speedy as I can. Well, Mr. Young, you've had sufficient time to examine that copy of the veneer. Is it one of yours? Yes. Yes, it is one of mine. I recognize my own work, of course. But the Vermeer, I can't realize that it's gone. It was so beautiful. If only Vermeer himself could have heard you saying that, it would have made him so happy. Oh, you needn't sneer, Duncan. After all, you bought one of my copies. Is that true, Mr. Duncan? Yes, I did buy one of his awkward dobs. Dobs? How can you talk like that? Just because you waste your time painting the vacant faces of the rich, you think you can Shut talk... Shut them out. Now, 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 be quiet, you two, please. Yes, yes for goodness sake, stop please, fighting. Please, please, everyone. Uh, Miss Coe is doing her best. I apologize, Dr. Benson. To proceed, Miss Coe. Thank you, Mr. Duncan. You've admitted that you purchased a copy of the stolen veneer from Mr. Young, yet you called it a dog. If you thought that, why did you buy it? He continually whined about his lack of money. So I finally gave him $100 and took the copy so that I could have some peace while working here. Mr. Young, have you sold any other copies? Yes. Marsha Bedell bought one, too. She praised my work. Poor fool. 
I only bought it for the same reason Mr. Duncan bought his. I pitied you. I see. I see. It was all just charity. Mr. Young, how many copies of the veneer have you made? Only three. Mr. Duncan's, Miss Bedell's, and one which I kept myself. Can you identify this copy left here on the wall by the thief? No, I'm sorry, but I can't. All three copies were practically identical. Uh, come, Miss Cove. We're wasting valuable time. Surely you've discovered some clues. What are they? Well, the person who took the painting from the wall stood on this table, cracking the glass top. The person also obliged us by leaving a few grains of sand in the crack. Is that all? Yes, that's all. But aren't there any fingerprints or anything like that? There always are. Unfortunately, Miss Bedell, the fingerprints we are looking for are probably on the stone of the mirror. Now, Mr. Duncan. Well? Where is the copy that you bought from Mr. Young? I sent it to an acquaintance of mine in Amsterdam. A Dutchman with very little artistic perception. And where is your copy, Miss Bedell? I gave mine away last Christmas. To whom? My, my sister. She lives in Buenos Aires. I see. Now, Mr. Young, where is the copy which you kept for yourself? I put it in storage with my furniture. Now, I have here the permit which the three of you turned in last night. Mr. Young left the museum at 5.35. Marsha Bedell went out at 5.50. And Mr. Duncan left exactly at 6. Are those times correct? Yes. yes. Uh, Mr. Young, where were you working between 5 o'clock and the time you left? I was in this room, of course, studying the beautiful Vermeer. I was here all afternoon. And you, Miss Bedell, were you in the museum all afternoon, too? Oh, no. I didn't feel very well yesterday, so I stayed in bed at home until about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Then I got up and had lunch, wrote some letters, and came here in a taxi. I got here about four and spent the whole time in the room across the hall, sketching some Rodin figures. There, you had my entire day. Thank you. Mr. Duncan, you were the last to leave here. How dramatic. I suppose you want an account of my actions? If you please. I worked at my studio until noon. After luncheon, I came here to the museum and spent the balance of the time studying the Matisse in the French gallery. Voila. Doubtless, you will now proceed to turn me over to the police. No, Mr. Duncan. For today, at least, the police will not be interested in you. My job is finished. It's quite obvious who took the veneer from this room. Who, Miss Cole? Who is the thief? Perhaps Miss Marsha Bedell can explain her motive more clearly than I can. Oh! Marsha Bedell? Well, Miss Bedell? Yes. Yes, I took it. But I still have it. I'll bring it back. I swear I will. Only don't have me arrested. It would kill my father. I only took it to save him. He's lost everything. He needed money so desperately. Give me a chance to help bring it back. Please bring me a chance. Give me a chance. Well, you never can tell. That Patel girl might have got away with it, too, if it hadn't been for Phil Cole, the famous girl detective. You just heard Phil Cole discover who stole the missing masterpiece. How do you suppose she found the guilty person? That should be easy for you. You heard what happened. You know everything Phil knew. Why did Phil suspect Marsha Bedell? Can you give three reasons for her suspicion? Sure you can. Then write down those three reasons just as well as you know how and enter the Phil Cole Radio Mystery Contest. $50,000 in cash prizes for the winners. Over 2,000 weekly prizes and 51 mammoth grand prizes. All the details are fully explained in the Philco Mystery Book, which your Philco Radio Tube dealer will give you free. Be sure you get your copy of this book. It contains the official entry blanks. You cannot enter this great contest without this free book. Besides, it will help you win. It's filled with diagrams, explanations, and all the rules and details. Follow carefully all the contest rules as they are explained in the Philco book. 
It should be easy for you to answer the contest question. Maybe your skill will make you a winner. Listen every week at this time over this station to Philco Radio Mysteries. Don't miss a single program. Ask your Philco Radio Tube dealer for any other contest information you want. While you're there, too, better have him check up on your radio tube. $50,000 in cash. That's a lot of money. Next week, you have another opportunity to win your share of it. Phil Cole, the girl detective, is going to solve the mystery of the death ray tube. Listen and see how good a detective you are. <laughs> 